Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. With me is my co-host, a man who can literally teach sales with one hand tied behind his back, Darren Cecil. Darren, what are we going to discuss today? Dave, you're not going to believe it. I brought a special guest for today's podcast. No, it's not true. If she, I know, wasn't, I'm so... if she wasn't sitting in front of us on camera, I would not believe it because, you know, the only thing special about you, well, let's just say, you know, Jerry's kids and we'll be done with it. Wow. Actually, I was Jim's, Jim and Ellen's kid, but thanks for clarifying that. I do know who my dad was and I do might know my mom. So we have a special guest today and her name is Danny McFerrin and she has a company called Done and Dusted. And actually she is joining us all the way from Northern Ireland outside of Belfast. Wow. Welcome, Danny. It's great to have you on the show. Um, I want to learn a little bit more about Done and Dusted. I, when I saw that, I'm like, wow. There's a story behind that, and I definitely want to hear it. But uh, but but welcome, welcome to the states, or although we're global, so welcome to the world. Hi, Dave. Hi, thanks for that. That's great. I, I would say slancha, which is hello, or we could say what's the crack? What's the crack? Well, nineties. So, <laughs> I always thought slancha was a toast. Slancha is a toast, but you can also say it as a greeting as well. Ah, wow, look, just learning more and more. Well, Darren, do you want to start this off? I would. I just want to know if there's any more nomenclature we'd like to cover before we do that, Dave. I know you, you like those words, so I thought I'd toss it out there right away. You're such an erudite. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. As long as I'm not pedantic. So anyway, <laughs> Danny, we always start the podcast with the following question. You know, our podcast is called Disarming Persuasion. What does disarming persuasion mean to you? Well, I think I think the two words together, I think it is really interesting, isn't it? You know, disarming and persuasion. You know, if we talk about that, what I do is branding, brand design and brand strategy. And for me, the word disarming makes me feel like it's leading somebody a little bit vulnerable. And persuasion is almost like persuading someone to do something that they don't want to do. So in my line of work, I guess that sort of disarming persuasion is how I interact with my clients cannot be seen as disarming because I greet them with with truth um, and with honesty and with integrity. And by that, what I mean is quite often when a client would come to me to work with, if I feel that their product or their service isn't perhaps quite right, I'm not about just to give them a pretty picture and just sort of paint over the cracks. I'll quite often say, well, you know, I think you should just keep your money. I think you should put your money into some R&D. Let me introduce you to some really great guys here that, that can really work with you on this product, get you up to ship shape, ready to, you know, hit the ground running. And if you feel like it's a good match at that point, come back. Nearly every single time that will work in terms of that's making a sale. But again, I don't even really see that as a sales thing. It's about being honest. Can I work with this person? Do I want to work with this person? I'm not in the business of pretty pictures. 
I'm not in the business of quick sales. I'm in the business of building relationships. So I want to see that person go on to phenomenal success. And I know if, you know, in my heart of hearts, if their product or their service isn't really there at that point, doing a brochure or whatever, they're going to fail in six months time. Do I want that? No. You know, my why, I suppose, is, you know, I want to change the world one brand at a time. And so I want to make sure the clients that I work with are are really prepped to, to do phenomenal work. And I would be doing them a disservice, you know, if I was just to just take their work. So for me, that disarmament could be that I just approach everything with a, with a truth of um, I'm here to help, but in the right format and at the right time for my clients. Wow. What, what, what a great and powerful answer. Uh, and, and I'm sincere about that because so many, uh, and, and, I'm, and you're not a graphic designer. I want to be clear here, but so many graphic designers who brand themselves as marketing experts, all they're interested in is um, painting a pretty picture. But the most powerful marketing in the world is off, being authentic to yourself. And, and that's what I'm, I'm hearing you say. You're so so you're clear on who your customer, ideal client, ideal customer is. Your what your customer avatar is, and then if if they're not that person or they're not in that place yet, you're not interested in having them as a client because you won't do them a good service. And and, and that's so that, that that's so much integrity. I I so respect that. Well, what I would say is that. Whenever you engage with anybody, you're having a conversation, you know, you're, you're just having a conversation with that client. And if I was to take their money and run, then they're not going to have a good experience with my client, with, with my services. And so they're not going to then tell anybody else about, oh, it was brilliant to work with Danny. Whereas if I'm working with somebody and saying, like, do you know what it is? Do you see this product that you've brought out? Do you see the split form there, that mold? It's not quite right. To see the piece parts that you've got, you know, whether you're doing a horizontal or a vertical build, you could really reduce those parts and it could save you a little bit more money. Your competitor's product is built for cheaper and it's also a little bit sexier. Why don't we look at some R&D? I'll introduce you to the best guys that I know. Let's get your product looking really, really good. Go on to, say, your competitor's site. Look at their forums. Look at what they're not doing good. And then build that into your product or your service or whatever it is so that you no longer have competition. You don't want there to be competition because you're above the competition. And when you set yourself into that category, then you come back and say, yeah, now I know what my brand is. Now I know what it needs to be. So you don't actually let that potential client go. You would be checking in saying, how did that R&D go? How, would that, how did that work out? And if they work with you, if they work with somebody else, either way, it's a win-win. You've been honest in your service approach. And so they're going to talk favorably about you. You know, the best conversation that people can have is when you're not in the room. And how did they talk about you when you're not there? Absolutely. So, Dave, a couple of points. One, do you see why I invited her to the podcast? Because she preaches a lot what we do as well. Absolutely. She's she's taking what we talk about and just incorporating. And I don't when I say just that is not to minimize incorporating that into the branding conversation. Mm-hmm. Which which speaks to me because I always think of the, the a whole business, right? I, my business coaching practice, right? It's not, oh, let's do our marketing. What's the message people want to hear? It has to be incorporated into the operations we deliver, the sales, you know, how we sell, how we operate, 
our customer service it has to be one integral whole. And that's what I'm hearing Danny talk about in, in her approach, which is phenomenal. This is, this just sings to me. I got to be candid. Absolutely. And the only challenge I have though, Dave, maybe Danny is misguided because what I hear she's saying, she said it twice now. She said, I don't think it's in our best interest to work together now. Why don't you invest it in R&D? I would change that to sales and leadership though. I think that makes more sense. Don't you from a purely selfish point that, you know, perhaps she can get us some business by talking about, you know, maybe they want to increase their sales or their leadership before we do R&D. It's just a thought. Maybe that's selfish on my part. But Danny, I'm just kind of curious. What do you think about that, my dear? Hmm. Uh, let me get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. it, no, that's that's funny. I appreciate that. The other thing, too, is <clears throat> can you tell us, sorry, I'm overcoming a cold. Can you tell us about... Um, you obviously have offices in Dubai and a presence in New York and obviously in Ireland. Can you, Northern Ireland, excuse me. Can you tell us the difference between the various cultural components that you uh, encounter? Because I know Dave and I have done work in other countries with other cultures. It'd be just really fun to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, great. You know, whenever I started out like eight years ago um, in my own business, um, I was working in London. I was design manager for um, Alan O'Ree, which is the fifth largest law firm in the world. Um, and I was working with a team of 13 people, 24 hours a day, uh, five days a week. And um, we were rolling out design work across, you know, across all of their 48 offices. So I was used to already dealing with people on a global level um, and, and working across time zones and also culturally sensitive colours and words and things what you you could say and what you couldn't say so when I when I branched out um into my own design practice it was a desire to really serve my clients in a very different way um I wanted to get back into the the design studio because I was doing design work within a, a different sort of setup um but I wanted to take the London level design approach both like the London level price tag I had been in a in in Ireland's top agency for eight years prior to that and I absolutely loved it. I, I'm just so passionate about what I do. But one of the things I noticed between that and from some of the London companies that I was working with is that it was very much the model of get the clients in. And then as a senior like myself, I would do the headline work and then it'd be passed down. And perhaps in that process, a junior designer might be picking that up. They wouldn't reply to emails. They wouldn't reply to you know, phone calls in the same way. And I thought, OK, I want to I want to do this different. You know, I want to do the great work, but I want to take fewer clients on and and make sure that every part of that process that they do is just so much fun. It's everybody is dedicated. Everybody's on the same page. Everybody, there's no fee structure in terms of somebody's getting a backhander here or there. We're putting on extra charges. So part of the reason why I started and I called it done and dusted design is that that's what we believe here. It is, there's no drama. I don't do drama. I don't do stress. Anything that I set out to quote, it is completely transparent. Okay, so we have a whole quoting structure. You'll you'll never get an invoice through that you don't expect, and there's no hidden fees. Plus, everybody who works in the design, done and dusted design teams, they all know what they are they're getting. So there's there's no fight from everything. We all just focus on what we're really good at. So with that mindset, when I stood, you know, and started there eight years ago here in Ireland, um, I had set this all up to work globally from the get go. 
I was already working with people who were around the world. So it was an, an easy transition for me to go across to the States. I had studied in Savannah College for Art and Design and also Auburn, Alabama. So whenever I moved back across to New York, it was a case of just joining up those dots with the clients I'd already started with in America and looking for somewhere that I could have that presence to deal with them on a one-to-one. So when I came across to New York, I set up an office there in uh, the Fulton Center. And it was a lovely way of dealing one-to-one with the realtors and, and other people in that sphere. I find Americans really enjoy that one-to-one presence. The European clients don't mind Zoom call. Well, it was Skype before it was Zoom. So all my Skype calls out, you know, that was that was just how we worked. Mm-hmm. And my, my mindset was, I want to work with the best clients around the world, but I want to work with the best team around the world. So why would I limit myself for a physical presence and only have the people who were in my proximity at the level in which we were serving our clients? Why wouldn't we have global art workers, uh, web producers, uh, copywriters from all around the world working together in the same team? So that was why I was able to connect with people in the States and build that sort of that site like office there, come back to Ireland. And I thought, well, okay, well, if it did it there, what would it be like to serve some of my UAE clients who I'd already met in London? And I thought, okay, well, why don't I start to go out that direction? So I had a client right there that I was working with and I set up the same type of network, a small satellite unit. um, And those people have actually migrated from there to New Zealand. So my team is even more sporadic. Um, and I, when I flew out there and I was working there, I find the that sort of arena quite daunting, but not for the reasons that I perceived before I left. You know, I was told very much, you know, working in the Middle East that I would need to be mindful of my dress code, um, my gender, all of that. So it was very, I was very prepped. Um, but actually what I, I find when I was living and working out there, it was very much um, a combative you know way of working um there was a lot of confrontations between other cultures not necessarily mine and I find I I didn't want to be in that arena I didn't enjoy it and I thought well I can still serve my clients in that area even from where I am in Europe or I could look at further afield so I looked at Australia and New Zealand I had um family in Australia and we talked about time zones and they said well you know Europe definitely still works and actually being in in Ireland um, it's a kind of a sweet spot because you can get work in the mornings. I would take work from clients in New Zealand and Australia. And then you sort of go through Europe you, and you know, through the main part of the day. And then you're working with American clients in the evening if that comes up. And it's a nice flow because then you can almost turn around work within 24 hours that you wouldn't be able to do, say, if you're in you know one particular time zone. So that sort of setup works for us. It's not necessarily for everyone, but that transparency is a business model that I've employed in everything from the way we quote, from who we talk to, to how I engage personally, and um, how I bring team members on and talk to clients. There's there's no ambiguity as to who's doing what. Um, and it's just a really nice way of working. You know, there's, we just keep stressed to a minimum, you know, and just uh, we do each person does what they what they love. I can code, but I flip me, I would it would take me 10 days to do what my coders would do in one. So why would I do that? Focus on what I'm passionate on do what I do really well, and then get the other people of the team to come in. I sort of joke at times that I build the best A team for each client that comes to me uh, with the people who, who are on the done and dusted design team. Well, yeah, I mean, once again, what I'm hearing is integrity, right? This whole transparency, integrity, you know, it's just being who you are, being authentic to yourself. So, and I love that because nothing persuades more than 
than that because people there's no doubt in people's mind it takes away that fear that there's something hidden and, and so i i love that i want to um move this conversation in a little different direction though you know our, our podcast disarming persuasion is about persuasion it's about how do we um uh, present our positions in such a way that they are received in the best possible light. It's not about dishonest persuasion. It's not about, um, you know, how to force people to do things they don't want to do. If you listen to our podcast, but it is about persuasion. And we're really in the same business. If you think about it, when, when Darren first approached me and said, we're, you know, he, he thought you'd make a great guest. At, at first I thought, well, you know, marketing isn't really our thing, but as I stopped and thought about it, it's still marketing is all about persuasion. In fact, it's the opening conversation, you know, to introduces a product or service or company to somebody who may not be aware of it. It's the beginning of the persuasion conversation. So tell us a little bit about your approach to that. You're, 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 you're getting clients and you need to figure out how, how do I start this conversation in such a way that it's going to maximize the opportunity for those who need my, your client services to actually engage your clients? What's that thought process like? Well, for me, I, it's kind of touching a little bit on what we, we talked about there. And it's the conversation that happens in the room when you're not in the room. And part of what I, I explain to my clients and I work with them quite a lot on, on you know, that people come looking for a brand or you know that type of thing and they forget about who is brand me how am I showing up in the world and sometimes they do a bit of an exercise okay like let's look at your socials how are you showing up what is the brand you give me three things that you believe in as a person who are you what do you believe in forget about your company who are you as a person okay let's look let's do a quick google which hopefully there's no college photographs that we don't want to see or anything illegal but let's see what you're showing up as what are the words? What's your tone of voice? What's your imagery? What's showing up there? Who is brand Dave? What is that? And as you then look at yourself and, and that client, when we do that little bit of work, it's like, okay, well, who are you then talking to as your, your customer for your client, your, your, um, your company perspective? Are the two married together? Are they working well? And as I'm doing more talk pieces and I'm, I'm doing branding for other people, that gets people talking about, oh, who did your branding? Oh, that's fantastic. Right, because they have gone on to such phenomenal success that the, the clients themselves have seen that work and thought, oh, that's where I want to be, but I just don't know how to get there. So usually what we get is referrals. So we do very, very little work where you know we're out selling or, or putting putting marketing messages out there. It is very much about you know working with clients, and then they are the ones who are telling other people, "Have you seen what a great job we've done?" Or somebody says, "Oh, you know, I love what you've done there with um with your branding or your marketing. Who did you work with?" And it's like, "Oh, I'm, I'm working with Danny and her team. It's so pain free. It's great. There's no stress." And that experience that you give, because people don't buy products or services, they buy emotion and they return because of the emotion that you made them feel. So how you make them feel is why they keep coming back and referring you on. And I think that is, it's very much that conversation that has to happen when you're not there. So whenever the, the client co does come to you and you're talking to them, you are reflecting back the experience that they want. So you're reflected back, look, this is where I can take you with this product, the service or whatever. So for me, it's branding. So it's like, I'm listening to that client. I'm listening to what they're saying, but I'm listening to what they're not saying. So if they're not talking about 
their business in a favorable light, I sometimes go, okay, well, let me just pause you. Um, do you realize you've said these following words? You've said that quite a lot. And it's quite interesting. I'm wondering, is there some kind of financial difficulty you find yourself? So a lot of it is like reflecting back. And when you start to engage with those people, because they know they need something from you, but when they feel truly listened to, that is whenever everything that you've done behind the door, that sort of that conversation before, how those people are showing up, then they're like, okay, these people are the real deal. They're not just in for a quick fix. They're here. They genuinely want to help. And I feel like that, that reflecting exercise is a good way to show that you're genuinely in front of them for all the right reasons. So once again, we're talking authenticity and integrity. But but by the way, Darren, how much of what she just said have we said over the last 30 episodes? I just wanted to say that. So people buy emotionally. They justify their decisions intellectually. Um, you're going to set expectations so that someone may not be a good fit. You're going to be authentic. You're going to, it was, I'm just in there smiling going, okay. Can I that say was that a- Darren did not prep me for that? <laughs> Darren did not prep me for this. (laughs) No, I'm just in there smiling. Go, that was a podcast. That was a podcast. That was a podcast. So if you like what Danny is saying, you could probably listen to any of our podcasts and you'd probably get something which she was just already talking about more in depth. I was so, were you thinking the same thing, Dave? I I was absolutely thinking the exact same thing. I want to ask a a, a specific question because you said you, you started off with something really intriguing. I mean, the whole thing was intriguing, but but, um, you know, you said you look at somebody's online presence and, and see how they're showing up. And some of our listeners out there are, you know, at, not at a place where they can work with an agency such as yours. And, you know, they're like many, many solopreneurs, self-starters, they're, they're doing a lot of things themselves. But I know it's really challenging for me and I imagine for many other people to see yourself from somebody else's perspective. Right. We, we, we know what our head trash is. We know what our heart is. We don't always know what comes out of our mouths. Right. From their perception. Is there any advice you can give anybody to say, OK, if you want to observe yourself from a third person's perspective, how do you do that? Okay, I have a great exercise that I do with my client, which is really fun. I have a a list of questions which I can make available to you guys and you can send it out to anybody who wants these. It's a bit of a questionnaire. But one of the big things that I suggest to clients, and they always just look at me like, what are you talking about? Let yourself be interviewed by a 12-year-old, somebody young, somebody 12, 15, right? And what happens is, so you can do a Google search and you can see how you're showing up. But if you let yourself be interviewed by somebody around that age, what you naturally do is you distill the information in order for them to understand. So if people are trying to struggle with um, how how do I say what I do? Who are the the people I'm trying to serve? When you are talking to somebody younger, you naturally change the way that you talk. You naturally make it simpler. So record the interview and see what comes up. Right. So if somebody's asking you questions like, what is it you actually do and who do you serve? And is there something special about the name or where do you self see yourself going in five to 10 years time? What you find is that you subconsciously change the messaging into something that they can understand. And if you record this and play it back, you're like, oh, my days, if I actually just focus on how distilled a message that was and then turn up the volume, then there we go. There's a route to market that can just be very, very clear, and very specific. The other way is just looking at yourself visually. So you could get a close friend's 
to have a look at, you know, okay, how am I showing up? Could you just do, it's called a brand audit and you can do a brand audit on yourself. But like you say, you're not really going to be impartial. You're just going to go, yeah, I'm doing okay. But taking yourself out of that equation and having somebody outside of you, again, usually someone younger who does that for you and say, look, this is what I've seen. And this is, this is, you know, this is the snapshot. I think it's a lot clearer, a lot more succinct a message. Wow, brilliant. And if you want to provide that, we'll put that up in the show notes for people. Absolutely. It's funny that you bring that up. I'll, I'll make a, a long story short. I was um, brought in to be- Excuse a, me, time, time out. This will be a that first. Possible? Is that this possible? This will be a first. Is it possible? Right, probably not. We'll, we'll find out. Well, that could be the branding challenge that I have. So that's why Danny's on board here. And so um, quick story. So I'm brought on to be a sales consultant expert. They have a marketing expert. The marketing expert is late for the call. The CEO says, um, he's like 40 minutes late. We know about okay, not okay. So the marketing expert felt not okay. He's not going to rip on the CEO. So he attacks me. He said, Darren, can you tell me the difference between sales and marketing? Define it. And no matter what I say to the marketing expert, he's going, I'm going to be wrong, right? I'm going to be wrong because he's the expert. And I said, you know, I've got three kids. And I take my kid out for lunch every month. It's called businessman's lunch. And one day he was 10. He said, dad, what's the difference between sales and marketing? And I said, well, son, let me ask you a question. You don't like girls, do you? He goes, not yet. I'm like, yeah, I think you do, but that's okay. I said, let's pretend you do. And <clears throat> your friend says, you should talk to Sally. And, and he's like, no, I'm embarrassed. I don't want to do that. He goes, I'll do it on your behalf. He said, what I said, whatever Martin does on your behalf is marketing, sets everything up, tells good things, tells a story, the whole bit. I said, when you have a date, if and whenever you can convince someone, which is probably never going to happen. But if it were to happen, D, if that were to happen, whatever you do on the date, you ask good questions, you listen 70, 30, um, that's called sales, right? And the CEO said, that's the best description of sales and marketing I've ever heard because the marketing expert couldn't, couldn't critique that, you know? And so it's funny that you talk about that because whatever I teach adults, I taught my children for years, Danny. So I appreciate you um, bringing that up because that's great insight for people to have. Because I think sometimes we try to be all highfalutin and, and demonstrate how smart we are. And if we just look at it from the eyes of a 12-year-old, it's a totally different conversation. That's brilliant advice. 100%. And also kids are brutally honest. <laughs> so they just tell you, they just tell you exactly what you need to hear. <laughs> I don't care. They don't care about ego, you know, and that's the best thing. It's actually really refreshing because they just, you ask them a question and they just tell you the answer and that's what you need. So part of what our approach is, is, is that, you know, I, I joke with clients, you know, I don't pull any punches because I'm here to get you over here. I, I'm, I want to see you go into stellar success. I can't do that. If I'm, if I'm saying everything's fine, that's okay. We'll just put this veneer over the broken product or service or whatever it is. I'm not about a glossy veneer. I'm about, you know, getting into that nitty gritty and going, do you know what? This isn't good enough. Your product, your service, whatever it is, it's not good enough. Let's get you better. Let's get you up to that next level. And that honesty, I find a lot of the times, especially web design, web production, you get a lot of cowboys said, oh, pay me X amount of money and I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And that's great. And they don't deliver. And so, you know, consumers do get nervous. They, they get a little bit sketchy, but mm, I don't really want to part with my money. And so they do, they, they need that encouragement, you know, and if you're in a company and you're wanting to you start to take the next steps, you have to have that honest conversation with yourself. Either it's with people that you trust, 
I would say you're still going to have a little bit of a, you know, that that sort of ego interaction. Um, they're probably going to sort of soften the blow. Um, whereas if you get, you know, if you can get, a, you know, a younger you know, person, that'll help, you know, just to kind of really be like, well, I think you could be doing this. Other people in your arena are doing this, you know, just be prepared for some brutal comments. It's fascinating. I, what I just heard you say is the accountability conversation as a leader that I talk to my clients about all the time, right? Holding people accountable and letting them know this is acceptable. This isn't acceptable. This is where you really stand. It's the same conversation in sales, I imagine, where somebody may have needs that you can't fulfill and you've got to let them know they have unreasonable expectations. And it's all about coming from the heart, right? That's what I just heard you say. You have to care more about them than you care about the business. 100%. And, right. And oddly enough, you'll probably get more business out of it. That's what it's all. It's That's what's all connected. Because, you know, as I say all the time, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And how if you choose to be sort of a little bit underhand, that will come back and bite you. In another area of your life, it does not matter. It does not matter. So if you're setting out your intention to work with, you know, with people all around the world or whatever it is that you're doing, your product, your service, your coaching, whatever it is, your sales, whatever that is, it has to be authentic. It has to be um, true to your principles. You know, I do exercises for what are your values. Let's build on your value system. Let's create your vision statement. Let's look at your mission statement. And I, I often say to my clients, write that down, stick it on your wall. And every single decision that you make, you look at that poster. I don't care if you've drawn it by hand or by crayon. Does my answer match the values and the mission statement and the vision? If the answer is no, then you, you reply to that email. No, that doesn't serve me. Thanks. Next. Because nature abhors a vacuum. You're going to create this hole and something even better is going to come in. Say no to the crap stuff. Say yes to the good stuff. So if a client comes to me and I don't feel it's a good match, what you usually find, say they say, oh, you know, we don't want to work with you or whatever, if that ever happens. They'll end up doing the same process with five other people paying five times the price and then they'll come back and they'll say, oh, you know, we should have done it. We should have just worked with you. Can we now work together? If that, you know, that's, that's happened once or twice. You know, why do it with five other people? for five times the price when you can just do it with one service who has given you that. And that's about, you know, building that, that kudos with that client. Well, and also one thing I'm hearing, and we've covered this on a previous podcast is when you're looking for respect, you're going to be able to have those difficult conversations. If you're looking for need for approval, the need to be liked, you can't have those conversations because you're looking out for your best interest and trying to protect yourself. And you don't really care about being liked. You're just looking up for the best interest of your, your client. And that's very refreshing because a lot of people, they're so consumed about themselves that they won't ask the tough questions. They won't say the tough things like Dave and I do is, you know, one thing I'll meet with a company and I'll say, let's pretend we evaluate your company and we find out you're the biggest challenge within the company. How would you like me to have that conversation? Those are the type of conversations you have, which leads to honesty, authenticity and referrals. And which I think is beautiful. I'm going to switch gears just because I we need to share this. You, besides branding expert, have a previous life in dancing. <laughs> yes, so yeah. Please yeah. tell us about your experience. Like you're you're famous. Oh well, no, I wouldn't say famous, but um, yeah. So from the ages of, I think I started dancing when I was about six, six or eight. 
um, and then work, you sort of work your way through the ranks. Um, uh, and then I think I was 16, 17, and you audition to become part of the Northern Ireland National Dance and Fitness Team. So then from every year onwards, you have to audition every year to continue onto the team. Um, and yeah, we, we've performed in some amazing places. We've performed in the Royal Albert Hall in London and Blackpool, uh, Kent Darlington, the Belfast Waterfront Hall, um, you name it. So yeah, it's it's great. It's strange because when you grow up like that, you, you naturally are programmed for teamwork. Mm-hmm. And if I'm even if I'm looking straight ahead, I'm in my periphery vision. I'm always watching the girls on my sides. And I think when we move into business, it's that ability, especially being an entrepreneur, you're constantly watching different areas of your business at any one time. So you're 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 naturally in that sort of we are a team, and we're only as good as our weakest player, right? So we we have to all be strong. Um, and if one person's having a hard time or whatever that is that you know we, we chip in together but yeah I mean I, I love my I love my, my teammates we still are very much a big um, a big get together you know whenever when we finally do meet up after COVID we've already got a couple of things planned yeah wow yeah I tell you there's layers and depths here that uh, we're just scratching the surface of Danny McFerrin so um, this is fantastic Listen, this has been great. And I know we could probably chat like this for hours and maybe set a Guinness record for the world's longest podcast that keeps people engaged. But um, unfortunately, most of our listeners probably need to move on to other things in their lives. So I want to give you an opportunity. Is there one thing you wanted to share um, that maybe we haven't covered with our listeners? Or if they're interested in learning more about you, how would they do that? You can get in touch via our website, doneanddustedesign.com. You can drop me an email, which is just danny at doneanddustedesign.com. And there's obviously alliteration there, which no one ever forgets my email. And you will say at some point later today, oh, that was that done and dusted. And you go, oh. See how that just rolls off the tip of the tongue. So there's a wee bit of wee bit of thought involved there. No, thanks so much for your time, guys. I really appreciate it. It's been really fun chatting. All right. And we'll put all that in the show notes as well. Just one last thing. Can you just tell us in 30 seconds or less the origin of the name? Doesn't is, is this some it's family or something? Didn't uh, people say something with that name or something? Yeah, in, in Ireland here we would we have a phrase of saying that's done and dusted. Um and it just means it's done, it's completed, there's no fuss, it's checked off the list. Um, and that's how I wanted to start the business, that there's no stress. Me and my team take care of everything. We don't we don't leave anybody hanging. We always update our clients. And it's a good metaphor, you know, for clients you know, that, that come to us that, you know, um, they don't want drama. If you're partnering with your money, they, they want it done really professional service. Uh, and they don't need somebody to go, oh, we don't have this or we don't have that. We're very, very proactive in our approach. Um, and yeah, we, we just want an easy life. Everybody wants an easy life, right? You know, just want to get up, do a great job and, and go to bed happy. Yeah, I think it's a great name for me. It connotes that picture of like you, you finish the craft project. It's complete. It's done. And what's the last thing you do? You dust it off before you put it on the mantel place. Mm-hmm. So. Well, in typical Irish style, my um, my dad says, well, you know, if the design company doesn't work out, you know, you could always change it to a cleaning company. There you go. Okay. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> yeah, because that brand will match. 
Danny, it's been great. I look forward to uh, continuing this relationship on into the future for who, who knows, and certainly if uh, not, not if when we could travel uh, across the pond, as it were. And uh, as I said, Ireland's high on my list of priorities and places to visit. So I'll make sure we'll, we look you up, buy you a pint. Um, excellent. excellent. It would be my pleasure to, to take you around. All right. Thanks, Danny. Thank you, Danny. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. My name's Dave Rosenberg. And this is Darren Cecil. Visit our websites at LockedOnLeadership.com or DarrenCecil.com. Follow us on social media. You can find the links in the show notes. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them.